three, two, one. Well, no, that was delayed. I already did the three, two, one. We're starting. Oh, this is all in the show. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm messing with you. Oh, okay. It's a little behind that... the scenes peek for dear listener. Hello, yeah. dear listener. Well, hello, Welcome everyone. Welcome to the pod. Hello. I'm becoming, I'm becoming I'm the guy here. who says pod that hates it when people say pod. Friends of the you pod. You hate it when people say pod? Uh, it's not my favorite. It's uh, a know, weird... It's, Go ahead. It's it's most annoying. I, I think I hear it uh, from Pod Save America, mm. and it's really yeah. annoying. Uh, I don't know why. I actually like listening to that because I listen to it, uh, and I haven't given up on listening to it. But still, like saying the pod. Yeah. I just realized I don't think I've heard. They are the only ones that I back. I listened to them back when they were keeping it sixteen hundred, uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you remember if you listened no. to them back then, but they were part nope. of. Either the Ringer or Grantland, whoever the Bill Simmons group, whatever yeah. was yeah. around back then, like oh eight oh nine, uh, right around that era. Um, yeah, uh, no, it was it was twenty sixteen. It was twenty fifteen. Oh, really? Like yeah. leaving office? Wow. Yeah. So it must have been the Ringer. It was it was as Obama's uh, terms were coming coming to an end. But uh, yeah, right. I I used the pod like all the time, like semi semi ironically. But yeah. I didn't realize, yeah, I guess they're, are they the only ones that use it? I don't know. I don't know, but it's kind of annoying, but probably yeah. because, I don't know, they're sometimes annoying. They're also really like clever and insightful, and I enjoy listening to them, but I find that one particular thing annoying, yeah. and now I'm doing it because I've listened yeah. to them. Y'all should go listen to a good podcast, like, yeah. like that what? one. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You're not gonna right. get, <laughs> there's nothing good to be found here. Yeah. Like, for not, sure. like not this one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in any event, uh, hey, so, guys, uh, it's better. Like, quiet we haven't week, even right? introduced ourselves yet. No. So, you know, okay, oh, I'll yeah. introduce everyone. So, this is episode 29, <laughs> in case you didn't realize that, of Aquiring Minds. Uh, it's November 20th, 2023. Uh, the show's three lawyer friends just goofing around. We're the three friends. I'm one of them. I'm Andrew Leahy. I'm a tax and technology attorney. And I'm also an adjunct professor of law at Drexel Klein School of Law. Oh, you got it this time. Yeah. I added it right <laughs> as you told me last time. I always follow <laughs> instructions. Uh, but that person who corrected me last time, that's Jake Schumer. And you're yeah. uh, I, I haven't gotten you down yet. You're a, a board certified physician, I think. No. <laughs> yeah. No? Uh, I'm a board certified wrong. local government inter- attorney. Uh, land. No, that's not the actual title, but I'm a land use and local government and construction attorney in Florida. Uh, that's my and I'm not a professor of anything. That's not my whole my, job. You are my favorite. I probably tell you this a lot. You're my favorite land use attorney in Florida. No, yeah. Thank you. I agree. I don't think there's a better one to be found. Certainly the best one on I, this podcast. Sorry, Jason. True. Yes, that's you. I am Jason Ramsland. Uh, I am an employment litigator. I vindicate employees' rights. Uh, I do that primarily in Indiana, uh, situated around the great city of Indianapolis. It is a great city, despite what you know Brett Moore may think. Uh, Brett Moore <laughs> is maybe the first person who we actually know personally who's getting called out on the podcast mm. instead of you know just <laughs> instead of so congratulations Brett you're in a you're in yeah. a category with Elon Musk first podcast you're, beef yeah yeah it's Brett Moore Browder, Elon Musk and Brett Moore these are the the enemies our we have least on our favorite list. personal injury attorney in the Atlanta metropolitan area I don't know <laughs> about that I've got personal injury attorneys in the Atlanta area that I like way less than Brett. Oh, I okay. like Brett. Hold on. I'm going to defend him. He's not here. <laughs> no, I, I like him too. I'm just being a pill. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so, guys, do we have anything to talk about? Nothing happened this week, right? Oh, my God. No, I mean, that's the problem is I really thought coming into this, we don't, I don't know what you guys want to really talk about. No, nobody else on. is sleep deprived from uh, refreshing <laughs> threads for this is irony. updates. This is irony. There's a this lot to irony. talk about. Yes. So, we probably ought to get started and, okay. and quit the chit chat. 
and uh, skip over the baseball chatter this time. Oh, fine. Yeah. Okay. It's a bad go week to stop the to baseball the... chatter, but <laughs> is, we'll yeah. go to the meat and potatoes. Yeah. So I think uh, the meat and potatoes probably... I, have not, I, I, I expect that I do not have as much of an understanding of all of this as either of you, but I can introduce it. That way I can then step back and hear you two, you know, fight like animals over a piece of food or whatever. Um, <laughs> our main topic... I think is going to be OpenAI and the fact that they, over the weekend, canned uh, Sam Altman, their CEO and yes. founder, right? And then attempted to well, get him back. Well, there's like four founders yeah, of OpenAI. He's sort of uh, uh, like, uh, that we need a term in, in the popular lexicon for the founder that everyone knows about, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's not really material well, if he's the main founder or the main shareholder, but he's the one, if you've heard of OpenAI, you likely have heard of Sam Altman. Well, you've probably also heard of Elon Musk, who also founded a OpenAI. Mm. Oh. I thought he was just an investor. <laughs> no, he was a founder. Oh God, really? He was one. If he wasn't, a, if he wasn't a founder, he was like one of the first investors, and then he got, and then oh. they separated. They went different ways. It's a dramatic organization. There's like four steps to this to this story, uh, Jason. If you don't mind, I've been I've been like neck deep in this since Go. Friday at noon. Go. Just uh, so, uh, don't be surprised when I chime in with my little uh, yeah. tidbits. Step, and I want to give you some one. Some, one quick thing. Yes, Elon Musk was a founder. So everything you're okay. about to hear Jake say, you can now take with uh, certainty that he is he is absolutely <laughs> yeah, correct. I, absolutely, he was correct about this is that. a 100 yes. accurate podcast. We've yes. always said this. Never made a mistake. Um, so step one: OpenAI is the company behind ChatGPT, uh, Dolly three. Um, they are they somehow this company. Uh, is the leader of the AI revolution. Their their chat GPT app is obviously like the biggest thing in the world. It's reshaping it's not technology. It is, it is through a combination of gathering basically the most talented AI and machine learning uh, coders and developers and researchers. Like this is the this is the MIT of AI research. This is the major leagues, the premier leagues. Mm-hmm. Like, this is yes. where the best minds in ai have yep. congregated there are good minds in other places but like this is the highest density of yeah. just supremely intelligent ai researchers and developers yeah. yes the, and they the also, number one destination right and they also Absolutely. had first mover advantage in terms of basically scraping the entire internet yeah. and likely many copywritten works and various repositories of uh copyright infringement uh, you know, piece like books and textbooks and things like that. So it, it's through a series yep. of of um, above board actions and perhaps um, let's say just barely on the board actions. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go on. Yes, Jake. And to be and the thing is, it didn't start as a company with a real business before. It's it was really started as a nonprofit think tank for uh, tech types that think too much about AI. And about like, uh, you know, responsibly developing for the good of humanity, artificial intelligence. Um, so yeah, it is AI ethics, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so the nonprofit, it, the for-profit company uh, is actually held by a holding corporation, which is itself held by a not-for-profit governing board. Um, so it's kind of strange in that way. Yeah. Um, and then the for-profit company, they realized at some point they were going to need to make money because it costs a whole lot to perform all these computations for AI that they want to research and develop. And so they need a for-profit wing of this. And they 
built this company. They started this company, which got investments, uh, most notably from Microsoft, who invested $10 billion into it and is one of the like major, major stakeholders in this for-profit company. Yes. Um, who invested mostly credits for com- AI computing because Microsoft has invested like $50 billion of its own money into AI computing centers, data centers. Right. Uh, and so they invested mostly computing credits for their stake in this build business. So that's yeah. where we're at. And it's very the computer recently, technology equivalent of sweat equity. Yeah. And, you can and use they are all promising of our, their sweat, sweat equity, except in real dollar terms. Yeah. You can use all of our Azure, A-Z-U-R-E. I assume it's Azure, Azure. I know, I've never Azure? actually heard it pronounced Azure, whatever. They, they're, they, have, they were one of the premier, they being Microsoft, um, builder outers of massive data centers, along with like Amazon and Google and a few others. So that really was something they could offer open AI that, that is really nearly as good as cash for something like a, an, an AI company that is attempting to build a large language model, right? They're going to spend all of their money on processing. And so if Microsoft comes along and says, we'll just give you the processing, that's it's money. nearly yeah. as good as the investment of cash itself. Yeah. Um, and for Microsoft, if they never use it, if they f- if they completely fail, then they don't lose the ten billion dollars because they're never going to use that compute. So, right. um, the uh, so Microsoft invests and importantly gets a unlimited perpetual uh, IP license, right? Uh, to use all the stuff that gets developed at OpenAI. So because of that, Microsoft, with having its partnership with this corporation, which after the launch of ChatGPT last year, um, became the the New York New York Yankees maybe the wrong term now uh, became right, the, Yankees, the, yeah. the Yale the top of the line co- company by a lot the leader of this uh, of this uh, industry Microsoft was with them because they have this deep partnership and investment and this this uh, this license so they got to integrate chat gpt they're uh they got to integrate all this ai that they were doing that were they're they're at the front of the pack uh into all of microsoft stuff so microsoft has copilot now and all of its windows stuff and and in edge uh and it has uh chat gpt and bing so it is thoroughly deep into this organization that is structured kind of strangely and importantly, um, Microsoft felt comfortable doing all of that because of the perpetual license, right? Yeah. Any concern Microsoft might have about like throwing in behind a relative new player in the tech sphere is kind of softened by the fact that they have a perpetual license. And so they they start Microsoft Copilot for, for Office, for Bing, for all these other things, for, uh, even for GitHub, right, which is owned by Microsoft. And if things don't go well for uh, OpenAI, they could just pivot to some other AI company. But for now, they can throw yeah. in all the way and they know there's not like basically uh, a- OpenAI cannot develop GPT out from underneath Microsoft's hands. They know they have their arms around it permanently. They being Microsoft, right? Yeah. And they have because they ga- they invested with compute units, they know that OpenAI really can't move away from Microsoft. Right. Like they it's not fungible. They are both they are both really dependent on each other. Yeah, and so unless OpenAI was for some reason to com- like <laughs> commit corporate suicide, right? Microsoft's totally safe, uh, and who would do that, right? No one. Uh, so, <laughs> so here we are. It's Friday. Uh, Chat 
uh, OpenAI just launched this GPT store um, or announced the ability to create your own GPTs. And eventually they're going to have a store. People went wild for these GPTs and were able to successfully create a bunch of crazy stuff to the point where they had to turn off new new paying accounts. They were actually starting to make money on this stuff. Kind of. Not really. But uh, like they were getting people to pay money for it. Um, when uh, all of a sudden on Friday at like noon, with one minute's notice to Microsoft, the board of the nonprofit, which governs the for-profit company, um, fires the Sam Altman, the CEO, with no notice, claiming in a public statement that he was not being, he had not been, had a, uh, there was, was a lack of candor to the board. Oh, right, right. right. And, uh, and for, for a little bit of context about that, Sam Altman is himself, was, uh, I think still is, uh, one of the six members of the board, the governing board of OpenAI. Uh, and so as it right. happens, it was not the entire board. Uh, and Sam Altman was not the only person who was fired in this whole exchange. Yeah. Sam Altman uh, and one of the other board members, uh, his name is escaping me at the moment. Jake, Brockman? you have it. Is that his name? Brockman, yeah. uh, Greg Brockman. The president, is that right? yeah. Uh, it was the chairman of the board of directors. And so somehow the board of directors of six people uh, convened a meeting. That, yeah. I'd like, they convened that a meeting. That seems illegal, but I'm so, really wondering why we're just taking this for granted. To some extent, yeah. yeah so it, to some extent, we have the wrong Professor Leahy here. My wife, Gina, is um, a BizOrgs professor at Drexel, right? And so if she's attempted to explain to my relative smooth brain how this could be possible. And my understanding yep. is that there's a difference between... Uh, so basically, you need to get the bylaws to really see how this yeah. could have happened. Because yes, the issue is, exactly oftentimes, right. with a, all you need is a quorum. And so it could be a simple matter of who was there voted to oust. Yeah. And that's it. Um, yeah. She seems to be thinking that this is a very strange structure. The fact that the majority shareholders don't have a control interest. That I mean, is, there's no... Well, that's there are, the thing. They're not there shareholders. There is no equity. Right. Uh, at this nonprofit level, none of them have equity in the for-profit corporation at all, which is interesting. Right. Even Sam Altman, he's kind of unheard of. He, he was in this not for the money, right. <laughs> the CEO job. And, he and, wasn't in it for the money and he got fired and he didn't have any equity in the for-profit right. company that he that he was the CEO and built into a, a company that just had an $82 billion valuation. Something like that. Right. And the flip side of them, him having no interest in it, uh, no economic interest in it, is Microsoft has a pure economic interest. In That's all they have. They have no say in anything. They have a capped right. profit company that they have a, they're a minority owner. I'm looking at the org chart that they have, right? They're a yeah. minority o- owner in a capped profit company, which means basically they're entitled to a certain amount of profit. And that's it. Nothing. They have no say in yeah. anything. They obviously had no right to receive notice, right? That, hey, listen, we're thinking mm-hmm. about firing the CEO or we're thinking about wiping out the board or whatever. No, no rights whatsoever. So Microsoft put a lot of money, granted, in compute units, but that is real money to them as well, right? Yeah. They are paying for it in some way. It's not a dollar for dollar uh, ratio for the, you know what it's worth for them, but yeah. it's real money. Real obligation. Yeah. At least. Right. I mean, real obligation. A, I and bet they, they get no they right would... to even be told that this is going to happen. I bet they would light those, they would light those compute $10 billion compute dollars on fire uh, compared to all of the work that they've done into building their entire ecosystem around right. having around oh, chat yeah. GPT and all that. And yeah. Uh, and For Dolly sure. three and all that. That's, that's really like years of work trying uh, that to re-strategize around, Oh, we have to build our own AI now. 
So, so the jumping off point that where I where I started to derail you, we'll just kind of tie the loose end on that. Is yeah, four out of six board members voted convened a meeting, uh, and, and I, I was listening to Neelai Patel and some other folks talk about this. Uh, and they said uh, it was on a Google Teams uh, or on a Google Meet. Yeah. Oh uh, so God. Microsoft Microsoft invests. It was a jab that one of these guys made. Uh, Microsoft Teams uh, can't even <laughs> like get the spotlight over Google Meet when Microsoft is a ten billion dollar investment into the whole operation. <laughs> right. Still no. can't get them to use Microsoft Teams. Uh, but they had this Google Meet where they made the decision. Uh, and uh, on that and on that Google Meet, these four members of the board decide to terminate and then they google meet uh sam and greg and say uh hey by the way you're fired and And uh it's also weird to me so they didn't fire brockman they no he resigned and yeah but he resigned in protest for fire for the firing of um of sam altman yeah but also he probably partially in protest of the fact that he was on the board and they kicked him off the board so how do you just kick off a board member with a bare majority? That's quorum. Like, I think that's the quorum issue. Let, I think that's you just need a bare majority? majority. What a silly bylaw that you can literally you get a you get a bare majority and right. you can just kick everybody else off that you don't hey, like. Move fast and break things, man. Oh my god. I'm <laughs> That's exactly I'm just what like, you want from the AI ethics company, right? The yeah. AI ethics nonprofit. These people are going to keep the Terminator in a box for sure, right? Like they can't (laughs) handle, they're not going to keep, they can't keep this under control. They're going to, if there's any concern with AI, like, you know, rising up and taking over the world, they're the ones who are going to keep it in, you know, in its pen. Yeah. These are the, yes, the, the, the brilliant minds that came up with this decision, the way that this went down Uh, as a, I'm not a corporate governance person, but I deal with local government structures a lot. It's insane that they can do any of this, but um, agreed, agreed. Uh, yeah, so they fire him, uh, immediate, uh, giant WTFs all across the tech paying attention world of what, what he must've done something really bad for them, not just to fire him, but to burn him in a public statement. Uh, yeah. there was that window of time where people were just like, what could it be? Right. They were just like open speculation of, oh man, just wait for whatever this is going to be. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then it's like, no, ever, we're finding out, no, there was no uh, no notice to anybody involved, including the CEO that they appointed behind him, uh, who is, I'm, what is her name? Um, I'm trying to remember her name. Mira Murati. Mira Murati, yes. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, Mira Murati, the, uh, who is also highly respected. She apparently had no notice. Um, and it's just kind of, uh, everybody's kind of wondering what's going on. And eventually this reporting comes out late Friday. Uh, and meanwhile, markets, uh, Microsoft t- stock is taking a hit that it was because uh, Ilya Sutskow, Ilya Sutskever, uh, the chief AI scientist at OpenAI and a board member um, had was worried that they were moving too fast. In developing yeah. AI and this tension, which is part of like a tension that's kind of essential to the the structure of this organization, because their stated mission is reasonable development or responsible development for the good of mankind. Right. Uh, apparently, can that concern just swung all the other members of this board and they that's why they fired him. He was moving too quickly. Um, I am not entirely sure that that message comes through clearly to me because 
not very long after that, maybe it was on Saturday, maybe it was yesterday, uh, Ilya has apparently posted somewhere online, I'm sure it's on X because this whole thing has been unfolding on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Ilya has posted something to the effect of, uh, I regret that I participated in this. And so it makes it sound, and maybe this is face saving by Ilya. Maybe it's not. Maybe there's more under the surface that we just don't know about and honestly might never. Uh, but it made it seem like Ilya was brought along rather than being the mover. Maybe yeah. that's a PR move. Maybe it's something else. I don't know, but it's I mean, not entirely clear. It, man. That, that's a later oh. story development. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> but he, yeah, I, uh, so yeah, he would eventually say, I, I am, I'm ashamed of my words and deeds. Uh, yeah, but somebody said, <laughs> I, I don't know that we can trust him. I, I'm, I'm with Jason. I'm not, he might be face saving because in his avatar yeah. on Twitter, he's wearing a goofy hat. I don't trust people <laughs> who wear goofy hats around too much. But so what he said was, I deeply regret my participation in the board's actions. I never intended to harm open AI. I love everything we've built together and I will do everything we I can to reunite the company. And that, everything he can includes, like, where anybody who's listened to us probably has a basic understanding of what happened here. Uh, yeah. But there was a whole soup, soap opera for the rest of the weekend. Uh, last, so if y'all don't mind, I'll like speed through a little bit of the of the of this. Yeah, uh, there was like, will they? Won't they? Uh, what's are they going to bring him back? Because immediately the interim CEO that they appointed was like, we're going to work on bringing him back. Uh, <laughs> the meanwhile, the board has no no communications of their own at all, apparently, uh, and. Sam Altman set a series of 5 p.m. deadlines, uh, which he pro- he ignored, kind of, um, saying, all of you resign and appoint me again, or I'm taking everybody somewhere else. Uh, and there's a social media outpouring of support from everybody at OpenAI, basically saying, "What like, we're with him. We're not, right. OpenAI is nothing without us. Uh, you've dis, you know, attacking the board yeah. basically, and there are very public anti-board statements. Like it's hard to imagine. There's no way OpenAI continues to go on as it is with this board and these employees because God, they hate the board. Right. Um, but so on Sunday there was like a there was a question because something had to come out because um because Microsoft had to have something ready uh for shareholders otherwise. Uh, otherwise Monday was going to be terrible for a, a terrible day for the market because yeah, um, you know, for this all looks the really bad. They threw their chips in behind yeah. this company that's now imploding behind and, this disaster. Yeah. Uh, and so on Sunday night, uh, open AI and I'll take a break after this open AI announces their new CEO. Uh, the guy who founded Twitch, what's his <laughs> name? Sheer Sheer. Yeah, I believe he's Shear, right? Yeah. Um, Shearer? Emmett Shear, CEO. Emmett Shear. Yes. Uh, who founded Twitch and who everybody at Twitch hated, by the way. We're coming back across my domain. Awesome. All, all the gamers hate this guy because he sucked. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, they announced he was he's the new interim CEO. Um, and uh, Satya the CEO of Microsoft announces that uh, Sam Altman and Greg Brockman, the fired uh, boardman members are going to be joining Microsoft and starting a new AI wing of some, which is insane. I mean, which is, yeah, 
There are so many questions. One huge one that I didn't think of until we talked about it with the compute units thing is that Microsoft's chief chief investment in OpenAI has been these compute units, right? Basically, mm-hmm. what that means for people who aren't necessarily technically savvy is that they are allowing OpenAI to make use of Microsoft servers. That's it, right? So yeah, a lot of what cloud. OpenAI... Yeah, it's the cloud, exactly. So a lot of what OpenAI is doing, it's doing on like the the real estate, the, the cloud real estate of Microsoft. Now you're going to have the entire team. Now it's up to 95%, by the way, of employees at OpenAI have signed something as of like an hour or four hours ago um, that they will leave and go to Microsoft as well and join Altman. Now you're going to have the entire team move over to the company that owns the servers that are running all of OpenAI's processing all, all their <laughs> I mean the incentive to just there to, to sort of access that and and like to truly take everything that OpenAI has in terms of the model or whatever is quite strong and if OpenAI wants to continue to uh, exist and be in competition with Microsoft they have to find another patron they cannot continue to no. like and fly in the face of Microsoft <laughs> and use their servers as right uh, is that going to work well? Is that going to work out? Ford can't be using GM plants to manufacture their Mustangs. That's not going to work out long term. And nobody would partner with them anymore because, right. like, because now they're an unreliable partner. That, and that you're a will just, like, yeah. There's nothing left. Uh, what are we partnering with? Like, what would yeah. you even like? Let's say Google went like, well, no, I think we want to be, we want to be uh, like in the Bard's going to get better, so we're going to partner with uh, OpenAI yeah. next. For what? What's there? You don't have any employees. I suppose you have the model, literally. It is structured to operate on Azure servers. I mean, you can fix all of that, but you need talent to do that, right? Who's doing that? Mm -hmm. Google's talent? They're the people behind Bard. Yeah. That's not working out. It's crazy. Yeah. And the the statement from Microsoft said they'll look forward to getting to know Emmett Shear, you know, because he's not an AI guy, except that he tweeted about how we need to slow down AI development from where it's a 10 now to one out of 10 from a 10 to a two. So he really doesn't want to move at all yeah, on yeah. AI development. Uh, he also the, tweeted some weird stuff about uh, sexual fantasies. Um, oh my. Oh no. Which you, you don't need to. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. All of this is insane. If, if Microsoft actually pulled it off, which it's still an open question, um, it would be like the greatest coup. One of the greatest coups I could ever imagine because they basically get open AI for free. Um, they get the technology. The only, the only thing that they don't get is the actual ownership of the IP. So this uh, is one of the interesting bits to me here because uh, this, this rhymes a little bit with Apple and its investment and unlimited license in arm uh, and mm-hmm. how they've really taken that and exploited that to great advantage for Apple uh, it reminds me of that situation a little bit here because I don't know exactly what the license looks like for Microsoft to, to be able to use, you know, OpenAI's Chat GPT and all that stuff. But basically, if we operate under the assumption that that license is we get to use all of your stuff until you know at some point in the future or perpetually, I think it's perpetual. Yeah, it's perpetual. Yeah, it's, it's perpetual, perpetual according to some reporting I, I've seen. But. Yeah. So if we have this perpetual license for Microsoft to use open AI's uh, chat GPT client, like you don't even have to, like if Microsoft were just taking the people from open AI, that's bad enough, right? Because hmm. you're hiring the team that's built it and you're hiring all of the knowledge that they've gathered along the way in doing it. And so like, once you've done something once, 
I, I had this experience with making Ethernet cables this weekend. <laughs> the first one you make takes hours. The second one you mm-hmm. make takes minutes. And yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's like the first pill that you make in a pharmaceutical regime where you, you develop yeah. this new medicine. The first pill costs $40, $40 million and the second the pill R&D, costs yeah. a nickel. Right. Uh, and so yeah. you've got and the it's whole better. team there. <laughs> yeah. right. And the second and one's so you, also better. <laughs> so, so you've got this team that can go out there and remake this thing if they need to, but they don't even need to do that. They don't even have to start from the starting line. They get to start from wherever they left off at OpenAI because Microsoft has this perpetual license to use the product. And so like this is the best possible way that they could bring in all of this incredible talent that was at this organization that built this already shaking the world up tool and uh, kind of be unshackled from for now. Yeah. Uh, And bring them in under your roof. The other thing that I think about, of course, the the employment litigator is thinking about this is surely the folks at this open AI company, the for-profit wing that was owned, uh, surely they have non-competes preventing them from doing this, right? What are you willing to bet that the non-competes for all of these people had a carve out for their biggest patron, Microsoft, because of course <laughs> there's going to be a revolving door going back and forth between Microsoft, one of the That's biggest computing giants in the whole world. And this enterprise that is doing really great and interesting stuff. And so I bet you that they don't even have a non-compete problem between these two organizations because Microsoft has that kind of gravitas in one of those deals to say, eh, we want to be able to exchange people. You yeah. know, I'm not sure, you know, all these co- these companies are based in California or Washington, yeah. right? I'm not Redmond, sure yeah. how much there's a non-compete culture in in tech. Do you Do you know that? Because... I get the sense that there's not because when this was announced, when Microsoft announced this new AI team at Microsoft, Brockman was listing all uh, like listed like six different people at OpenAI who had not been fired and who had agreed to come over. Hmm. So like this was not like. Uh, Did we talk about it in the context of Twitter? We might have when we talked about like 3000 people getting canned and how. NDAs were going to make it that functionally they couldn't. There was no place to go work. I thought I remembered something about that. Maybe. Well, it, it, as a matter of fact, Jake, that's a great point because California, uh, they haven't, I don't think that they've entirely fully outlawed non-competes, yeah. but California cracks down on them in a way that we talked about this in when the FTC was floating the rule about non-competes uh, and kind of cutting those down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like California is pretty strict on that. I don't know the extent to which uh, this is strictly California-based. That's an interesting question, but the question's basically solved anyway because I bet you that they've got an yeah. exception written for Microsoft. Yeah, I yeah, I bet that's not a it's not a problem because they are because otherwise you'd be t- hearing people talking about that a lot more. Considering now on Monday, I think they announced this. Microsoft announced this for two reasons, even though it, it, it this all happened over the course of like 48 hours. There was no yeah, way to stabilize their share can, price. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. No question. There's no way you could have details figured out in that time, like let alone numbers for the CEO. But like what exactly this wing is going to be, how it's going to work with your partnership with with OpenAI. This was just like. Okay, we have an agreement. If this doesn't work yeah. out for you to come back as CEO, then you're going to come build out. You're going to get, I'm going to give you your own company. You're going to have 
you can have all the money you need to rebuild the whole thing because Microsoft would definitely pay all that money to do this. Well, um, here, here's something interesting. So I, when you were talking about the license Microsoft has, I found this, is, this isn't an official, any sort of actual license document. This is just in the press release. But what they said when they, when they partnered with OpenAI was through a partnership with OpenAI that aims to accelerate breakthroughs in AI from jointly developing the first supercomputer on Azure that is powerful enough to meet the demands of a very large AI model, blah, blah, blah. Microsoft has a license to the code behind yeah. the GPT-3 model that allows it to integrate the technology directly into its products. If yep. they have a license to the code, a perpetual yeah. license to the code, yes. they have the code. To the source code, yeah. Yeah, they it's, don't even need to bother recreating anything. They just take the code and that's it. Yeah, we can they have the license to every every bit of code other than what's the artificial general intelligence, which is the name for like the, like that's the theoretical like quasi-religious name that technologists right. use for right. the alive thing that they're actually thinking about and spend all their time, which are is why they destroyed this company. Right. Um, because of, they want that to be done responsibly. Um, but yeah, they have like literally everything. <laughs> and <laughs> everything that they want. already on their cloud real estate. So they are literally just saying, no worries. Like we, we'll just switch yeah. these servers. Like literally these accounts these Azure processing accounts, we could just switch them right on yeah. over to Microsoft. No big deal. We could just duplicate it. We could just spin up a, another image of this same, uh, 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 of your, like your moment to moment updated <laughs> model. We can just spin up a second one that is ours. Yes. What, who, who, I mean, obviously there may be uh, very well hammered out licensing aspects for this, but the structure of everything else would suggest that that's unlikely. I mean, right. Like none of the rest of this seems to be thought out very well. Altman can just be canned for for with basically whoever happens to be sitting at the board table. One person, you know what I mean, like could just sit there and decide. Well, I have a quorum, and guess what? You're out. What are the odds that this license agreement with Microsoft hammers out the kind of details of like, look, if we ever have some sort of divorce, um, yeah. you can't just take all of this, and you can't, you know what I mean? I, like, you're only you only have access to uh, some small subset of our of our um, model. And yeah, they really can't divorce because. Microsoft is an owner and like, right. you know, and, uh, and then they can't divorce from each other at all. It's, right. And it's, it's built really... to run on Azure. I mean, like I, I can't <laughs> overstate like the limited amount I've done stuff with cloud is it you really like, if you know how to work on one cloud, you are not building stuff for another. That's what you build yeah. on. That's it. This it is, is its own thing. It's like writing it's it for not... Windows or PC. It's not the difference between playing a football game on AstroTurf versus grass. This right. is like the difference between playing a football game on Earth or the moon. Exactly. Right. And the, the idea that you could just go, oh, well, no worries. Microsoft doesn't want to work with us anymore. We'll just repurpose all of this someplace else. You really may as well just say you're going to rebuild it someplace else to some extent. Yeah. I'm not saying all the way to there, but like it is a lot of it is a labor intensive thing. And with OpenAI being the, uh, you know, whatever you said, the 90s Yankees of, of, of uh, AI, where is the talent coming from to do that? I don't know that it exists outside of there. This has not yeah. been a discipline that has been around for that long. You know what I mean? No. Like there's no one with 25 years of experience in AI. No. It wasn't around 25 years ago. No. You have like theor like theoreticists, like uh, or yeah, theory yeah. people like Ilya Sutskever, who's the a theory right. guy. And who after... So after Sunday, uh, when they announced the interim CEO, um, Ilya Setzgever, one of the people that voted to remove Sam, said, I'm ashamed of my words and deeds. And right. he and every single staff executive leader, seemingly, and now 700 of the 750 employees 
signed a letter saying resign within 48 hours, another deadline, or we are all leaving. Um, and one of the things they said in there was that the board in communication with its employees said that destroying the company would be consistent with their mission. Uh, so that <laughs> wow. could like, if that's the perspective you're taking, right. like it might actually happen. <laughs> like it's, it's hard to like, these people are already never going to be able to show up at a party without somebody kind of like, you know, looking at them funny. If right. they go mm-hmm. through with this, uh, they like they just will have to go live in a in a shack somewhere or something, um, because you're literally destroying an eighty billion dollar company because of your weird beliefs, your weird uh, <laughs> beliefs, and which are by the way, the destruction of this company doesn't even accomplish that that thing because right. they get to just yes. pick up the pieces in the for profit behemoth. That definitely doesn't give a crap about what you yeah, all your weird stuff, right? So congratulations, Microsoft is now in charge of the of AI. I don't Microsoft, think that's consistent with your mission. Where the S is spelled with the dollar sign, like it used to be yes. uh, when people would criticize Microsoft. Uh, I mean, like that prophecy was foretold thirty years ago, right? That Microsoft would be the end of everything. Yeah. Well, guess what? Congratulations, you've managed to make <laughs> it come true. Um, yeah. On that, in terms of them being willing to destroy the company, all that is enabled because the main company the main uh uh open ai inc is a 501c3 so there's no fiduciary duty to shareholders to maximize profit or because they're assume, no shareholders yeah well Though, right but i mean or i assume even to continue to exist as a going concern i have heard that these are massive so here the way i have not looked deeply into this and i'm not a, a corporate guy but the nonprofit is the owner right, right? uh the nonprofit as the owner uh, and still has a fiduciary duties to it, its co-owner of the uh, of the for-profit entity. So nonprofits have no duties to the nonprofit, but as co-owners of the, as an investor of the for-profit entity, you do have causes against the nonprofit entity for destroying the value of the company that you co-own together. Oh, the all same, right. Because yeah. they're... That's my understanding. And so they basically said, yeah, we might get sued. We don't care. Come sue us for our no asset for destroying this company. Our asset is this company. <laughs> so they right. don't care about that. Um, but that that lawsuit does exist. I don't I don't know. I'm, I'd be interested to hear that from a corporate uh, from a corporate law person. I've been get your wife on the phone yeah. <laughs> help yeah i mean the the public Cut charity <laughs> element of it is like i, I do wonder it, so if you if you form a 501c3 i know i understand the tax angle of this but i don't understand right. the corporate governance portion of this if you form a 501c3 and your goal you your stated goal is something that is potentially at odds with uh potentially at odds with the company itself continue to exist you can you not pursue that goal? Like, is it a weird like um, you can like a duty to not commit suicide uh, for for five hundred one c three? You know what I mean for a nonprofit entity? Yeah. What's the? You have a fiduciary duty to duty of care, duty of loyalty, duty of you have like a fiduciary a, duty to your fellow members in a closely held corporation. Yeah. Like, if you you're allowed to destroy your own company, but it ceases right. to be only your own company once you allow investors in, right? Yeah. So right, does, you have that, a duty to those investors, up. but that's impu- but I mean I, I guess that's what you're saying before, right? That's imputed up to the 501c3. Well, like it's the, the, 
Right. In the same way where if you owned a share of a company through an LLC, right. that wouldn't stop the LLC from getting sued. If you if you make a bad decision, you uh, you know, yourself right. um, through the, your ownership of a share through an LLC, the LLC could get sued for your decision. Uh, it doesn't make a difference that you're tax exempt, you know, what kind of corporate form you have. If that's, mm. you know, uh, I'm not sure how much it matters because what are the assets that can be taken from this? Thing? Well, I also wonder, like you think of a fiduciary duty, you typically think of it as like an obligation to not act on your own in your own best interest at the at the yeah, expense of the company. True. Would you say this is acting? In, I mean, it's not right. So you would say, well, I, I wasn't personally enriched. Well, here's I, the thing. It's, it's a business I, decision. The different the difficulty I see here is that you're you literally just fired somebody. Because of a difference in philosophy, that doesn't seem like actionable. You know, right. the yeah. the actual uh, and you had you had a replacement who is yeah. highly uh, who is highly That's a good respected, point. and right. then had but <laughs> disagreed. It functionally just yeah, it functionally destroyed it. But it wasn't. I mean, it would be like if you imagine any other charitable organization, a five hundred one c three, the the Habitat for Humanity or something, right? And uh, the CEO decides that uh, I think it's high time that we start charging people a little bit more for these houses, right? And you, as the board, you don't you don't think that's a great idea, so you can them. But functionally, that is a disaster from a PR standpoint yeah. and from everything else. You nonetheless would have the defense of, though that's not in our yeah. stated goal. That's not our mission. We have our mission right here. You you as the general public or the court were before may not think that our mission is is valid, but that's not really yeah. your concern. That we're here to cabin AI and keep it from escaping its pen or whatever. Right. Uh, Altman it, was going to throw the gate open, and so we fired him. Like imagine so no, ignore the fact that they're a you know, this fight this corporate board over here, the mm-hmm. nonprofit board. You right. are a co-owner of uh, of a for-profit company. There's nothing in that for-profit company's bylaws that says that we don't we exist only for the you know the the advancement of humanity or anything like right. that. It does not have right. a mission statement. So right. when you are act when you make the bad decision as a member of that board, you don't get to state that justification. You just because you have something in the in your own thought process saying actually i don't care about shareholder value that would have to be built into the for-profit companies i right i should yeah, not okay. be talking about this we should no, be getting like gina on here <laughs> right but, like uh, <laughs> can we just I, I mean, shout can we just call for her loudly gina <laughs> I, think that's right. I think she's recording the other podcast in the other room actually oh, i'm not sure or she's asleep um but uh yeah i don't i get what you're saying though like an insulation of it it's if if the concern if the um Fiduciary duties of one for-profit company, right, gets sort of quasi-imputed into the non-profit company. It ceases to have any meaning to, like, why would you have this separation now? Because you basically can't, like, you would you would never want to have anywhere in the line a for-profit company because the non-profit entity, or, uh, yeah, right, because the non-profit entity could be held accountable for something that would be against some sort of fiduciary responsibility of the pro- for-profit company. Does that make sense? Like, it has to be sort I, I of separated apart. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm saying a lot of different the, words. But. So, like, imagine you're a nonprofit. This happens all the time. Schools, uh, schools have endowment funds. Right. That uh, it, the schools themselves have a have a mission statement. Maybe you invest in a company that is anti that mission statement. Right. You don't get to then vote to destroy that company if you somehow right. have control over it, because there are other people that also own part of that company. 
And it's not part of that company to be destroyed or to only exist if it's to the extent it is consistent with your mission statement. Yeah, because but once does anyone... you own, you're owning it in a different uh, in a different stance than as a university. You're owning it just as an owner. So you're saying the fiduciary duty would be to entities like Microsoft that are just minority owners, in, of, investors. Of just cash investors. I, yes, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but they have no control. But you nonetheless, I mean, yeah, I guess it makes sense. We're fo- one. There's yeah, two you don't separate get to conceptions ex- here. You don't get yeah. to accept a minority investment and then say I'm destroying my company. Yeah, you have a duty no, I do to wonder if you shareholders. can. I do, um, but I mean, I don't I guess remember the, the name of that duty. I feel ashamed that I don't remember the name. Duty of, of that obedience, duty. duty of loyalty, duty of care. I don't Good know. Good faith, fair dealing. Good faith, fair dealing. Yeah. Something like that. Duty of care uh, is probably whatever the it is. It's not good probably. to do. Duty don't, to don't. not set the thing on fire. <laughs> but I do know you also have like there is pretty a pretty wide berth for business decisions, right? Because the business judgment rule, the BJR, right? right. right. Yeah, so because yes. obviously. Yeah, you have to have that carve out, right? Because uh, people make bad business judgments all the time. And you can't say, well, you violated the fiduciary duty of the shareholders because this resulted in you not maximizing your value or indeed like the company going under. You know what I mean? Like it can't be that you violated some sort of fiduciary duty simply because you're a bad business person. So how much of this could be swept all away by simply saying, it's just a bad business people. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. They didn't didn't justify it as it's inconsistent. Well... This is where I think this gets important is if they really said to their employees that destroying the company is consistent with their, right. then yeah. I think that Microsoft and every other investor could just wipe the floor with them, maybe take over ownership of the company, which then, then <clears throat> that gets you where you, where you want to go. Right. Uh, I and think- I think that Satya Nadella, the Microsoft CEO is definitely flexing that by implication, even if not explicitly that you, uh, We'll go after you, and we will just take it. <laughs> and so, well, yeah. where's where's your mission statement then? From what it sounded like, Satya Nadella was stepping in over the weekend and was basically trying to, one way or another, keep the ship from sinking. Whether that means, or maybe not. Maybe that's the wrong part of the metaphor. Trying to prevent everything that was on the ship from being submerged under the sea. Uh, and whether that means keeping the ship afloat or whether it means evacuating everybody off the boat, one way or another, Satya Nadella was going to see that happen. And I think that's what's going on. And we still just don't know which one it's going to be. Although I'm pretty prepared to forecast personally uh, that OpenAI is itself done as anything other than a vassal state of Microsoft. Yeah. Uh, to the extent that they weren't already pretty well beholden to Microsoft. Uh, they, I think that based on what's happened here, even if the whole slate of directors that are left resigned and were replaced by people who uh, weren't part of this colossally bad decision-making process over the course of the last week, even so, I think the reputation, the equity that they had in terms, not in terms of money, but in terms of uh, gravitas in terms of influence, I think that is set on fire and permanently gone. Oh, I don't yeah. think that you're going to find investors who are willing to invest in it. But Microsoft, already being so deeply in it, may be willing to say, "Yeah, okay, we're we're enough into this that we have a vested interest in keeping it afloat, and we're probably the only ones who do." And so, as a practical matter, either OpenAI continues as a little puppet of Microsoft. Or mm-hmm. OpenAI just gets like 
straight up absorbed into Microsoft by a uh, by a talent acquisition on a huge scale of like 700 out of the 770 employees or something like that. Like yeah. that I think one way or another Microsoft ends up in the driver's seat here and nobody else is willing to touch open AI uh, except, you know, I don't know, maybe some crazy billionaire. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's a great yeah. segue. I know just I, one crazy billionaire that might be interested in buying that husk. Yeah. The XAI can get the, can get the desiccated remains of the dead open AI. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally in agreement. Like this, either they get a new board which does whatever Microsoft and Sam Altman want. And then you don't even, Microsoft doesn't need to buy them because they are, then Microsoft doesn't have to deal with having a thousand employees, 700 employees now, but certainly probably going to grow. Uh, doesn't have to have to deal with that employment issue. Um, and they keep getting their, their development that they like, uh, or they and there's some insulation if it goes everything. awry. <laughs> Right, if it does break loose, uh, Microsoft's yeah. free to say it wasn't us. Hey, it was open Skynet. It was that those gosh darn OpenAI kids, yeah, yeah, over there. Sure, they're functionally us, but I, you don't know that. I think the only bad outcome for like really terrible outcome for Microsoft is if it keeps dragging on and dragging on, uh, because I was thinking about this. Like, how do you? Microsoft is more interested in just hiring five you know 500 600 people than any other company has ever been interested this would be like right. a perfect merger right. because yeah. you don't even have to lay then lay the redundancies off you just never hire them you just hire yeah. the ones that you want and you you it's like an automatic layoff um and congratulations uh and then you're not even going to pay for the compute units because the company is going to die um and by the way, the, Microsoft owns 49% of the for-profit entity. Uh, so they are okay. like right there. Um, so, but if it keeps going on and keeps going on, they're not going to know how many people they need to get ready to install. They aren't going to like know what teams be able to build teams reliably. Right now, they could just import whole teams. They could just be like, we're hiring this team, this team, this team, this team. Right. Uh, every single person and you just come over whole hog with all the teams um i'm not sure whether they'd prefer that open ai continue to exist uh as it is but with sam altman and a real board that knows what they're doing and you know all that right. um or if they'd rather absorb and completely own the entire ai uh structure within under microsoft's umbrella yeah, I don't uh, know if OpenAI has that much brand recognition to be particularly worth anything. And Microsoft pretty clearly hedged their bets by moving in the direction of it's, you know, Microsoft Copilot, it's GitHub Copilot, yeah. it's not GPT, it's not some right. sort of like, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I think that probably the original thought was if they ever wanted to pivot away to a different language model, uh, they could do so and it would be sort of invisible for other people. You know what I mean? There'd be nothing to have to change, basically. But you know, I don't think they expected this to happen now, but I could see the same sort of thing. Once they develop something in-house that is functional, just quietly move away from open AI and that's the end of it. Let it die. I mean, it's not worth that much probably as a brand. Yeah. I would think, I don't to, know. I mean, the chat GPT is, wor is worth it to the as a brand. Yeah. yeah chat GPT, the, the, yeah. Synonymous the, with AI now, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. 
we just had a chat GPT lunch at my local bar association. Right. It's like about, about that. So I'm not ready to, and and I know we're going to transition here in a second. I'm not ready to say that the board made entirely bad judgment and they were totally uninformed because they're rubes. Cause I don't think that's true. Uh, you have a, uh, director, uh, of strategy and foundational research grants for the Center of Security and Emerging Technology at Georgetown. The Center for Foundational Research Grants maybe sounds, or Director of Foundational Research Grants maybe sounds like a fundraiser uh, to me, and so maybe that's not great. Uh, That's in the basement of the academic building or something for sure. That's one of those things that you go to a school for four years and you never even knew it existed. Maybe. I'm not ready to say something like that because I'm sure there are uh, titular roles like that at Georgetown uh, that are just there for strictly for the purpose of uh, we want this person is an alum and we want them. I don't right. th- I don't have any I reason gotcha. to believe that that's what's going on here. Uh, maybe. Uh, and then there's another one who's like a management scientist at Rand Corp. I assume uh, that is a reasonably prestigious role. There's the CEO of Quora. I don't know how prestigious <laughs> that is, but uh, one uh, way or another. Uh, and then there's uh, Ilya Sitzkever, who is the company's chief scientist. Like, yeah. these are not necessarily, you know, uninformed people who just made a, a foolhardy decision. Although I wonder the extent to which, uh, maybe with the exception of uh, the CEO of Quora, uh, and for the academic type at Georgetown, I wonder whether the extent is, of this is they just didn't understand the politics of what they were doing. Uh, yeah. mm. And like a CEO I'm, should understand better. A CEO of any <laughs> meaningfully sized operation should know better that before you do something like this, you need to understand the politics and like the fallout that's going to come from it. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe they expected it. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. It still is probably going to go down in history as one of the most gargantuan screw ups that a corporate board has ever made. Yeah, I was thinking, I like the likening it to Apple, but I was also thinking of like, in terms of like just how it will be popularly thought of, I'm imagining it more in the like, um, remember the DeLorean cars? Like that kind of thing. This mm. thing that was like for a moment, this it was coming, right? It was just it was this big new thing. It was going to be. It was going to revolutionize everything, and then it's just like flamed out on the tarmac. You know what I mean? Segway. Yeah, the segway exactly. It could, I, I'm thinking of it like uh, Napster, where it's like yeah, Napster came, uh, changed everything, and then was destroyed, and then right. uh, real things picked up in its place, but the change never went away. Right. Um. So, it could have been a huge player in there, but for yeah. some decisions along but the way. But for complete lawlessness and unprofessionalism. <laughs> well, yeah. A few little minor uh, issues like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while we've been on this, uh, news broke that at, shortly after firing Altman, OpenAI's board approached uh, Anthropic, which is another AI company, uh, about yeah. a potential merger. <laughs> That's like, awesome. What? Yeah. <laughs> what were you doing? Like wow. also, <laughs> also while we've been recording, it came out that uh, before Emmett Shear took the job, OpenAI's remaining board members offered it to two other people who both declined. Uh, yeah. So, and, <laughs> and they like, were both—they were you guys, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, It's—it uh, was probably a great career choice for each of them uh, yeah. to decline. 
because this is like the y- Linda Yaccarino post, the, uh, hey, why don't you be the captain of the Titanic while it's sinking? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good luck, guys. Yeah, the, yeah, he said he took two hours to think about it. And uh, yeah, which suggests that the board maybe didn't have... Well, I, I would... I would say there was a terrible idea to hire a CEO with this little, um, you know, checking of their oh, yeah. credentials. It could have gone uh, way worse. Uh, but uh, they they had a rebellion of their uh, their interim CEO, the one that they appointed to replace the old one, which I guess yeah. they didn't expect because of their thorough lack of understanding of their own company. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I guess they were in a bad position because their own CEO was bad mouthing them and saying that she shouldn't have been appointed. So uh, really, it's not like a great sign. The basic perfect like board 101. If you you don't fire a person and stab them in the back without like like really good evidence, like you don't say you don't say that you're firing somebody for cause, basically, who is generally popular without something real good. Oh, by the way, they yeah. haven't had. They have doing this, been doing this without outside counsel and without their own PR. So it's been radio silent. It's just like amateur stuff all around. There's yeah. no, def- there's, I've seen some people like defending, maybe the decision could be itself to fire Sam Altman. I could see defenses of that decision. Sure. Whatever. But, I mean, I, all you can give me a detail on that, that I would say, oh yeah, sure. Gotta go. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but like. There are so many better ways to do it. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so many basics, and they're still not following them. Uh, it really just like adds to the list of the tech world's just like full of bozos. insane people. Yeah. Speaking of, I think it's a great of segue insane for, people. For bozos. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we have as so you, you were right before. Speaking of insane people, also he has his handprints on this. He was as you as you had said a board member and an early investor of OpenAI, Jake. Uh, mm-hmm. Elon Musk turns out he's added one more thing to his illustrious list of his resume of of of, of screw ups. Is it um, a thermonuclear lawsuit? A thermonuclear lawsuit <laughs> against uh, this is against Media Matters, right? Is that is that correct? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's against because Media they Matters. called him out for being anti-Semitic. Well, well, yeah, that's well, that's partly. not exactly what happened. That's a little no, bit, no, that's sorry. a little bit yeah. reductive, right? Uh, what they actually did was pointed out how on Twitter. Uh, there were a number, and the exact number is the source of a, a great deal of contention in uh, what is among the most poorly written lawsuits I've seen. Uh, but they have, on Twitter, at some point in the past, there have been pictures or um, uh, advertisements for companies like Apple and IBM and Comcast and Oracle, uh, like big companies uh big tech companies that have been so ads on twitter right next to some pretty like hot garbage white supremacist anti-semitism like nasty nasty stuff uh like picture pictures of uh hitler and a bunch of nazis presented in like kind of a favorable light for those guys talking about this is what spiritual awakening looks like and it's like the nazis Uh, like bad, bad stuff right next to this ad for Apple. And uh, understandably, uh, when this gets brought up, Apple's not crazy about their ads being shown right next to this like 
vile garbage. Uh, neither is any other reasonable advertiser where uh, they don't want to be associated with this stuff. And so they start talking about, we're going to stop all advertising. I think Disney was among them too. Did Disney stop advertising on Twitter? I, I think uh, they did. Uh, Apple, yeah. Bravo, IBM, Oracle, and Xfinity were all specifically uh, named as being... Ubi, you know, Ubisoft is no longer... It's it. There have been like one by ones that's kind of slowly moving. Yeah, yeah. It was just this huge wave over the weekend. And of course, it's, you know, a great time for advertisers to be pulling off of a platform, you know, right before uh, Black Friday, the biggest shopping day of the year. Uh, and so uh, Elon Musk, uh, I hesitate to say understandably, is upset by this. All of the biggest advertisers uh, are dropping off of Twitter because of the toxic cesspool that he has allowed it to become and uh, probably goaded it to become. And so he filed this lawsuit. The lawsuit is, uh, it's not good. Uh, it is a 15 page <laughs> complaint. I think I've gone on this specific diatribe before uh, about what a good lawsuit looks like. And the federal rules of civil procedure, there's a federal lawsuit. The federal rules of civil procedure specify that a, a good lawsuit, what a good lawsuit looks like is a short plain <laughs> statement of the facts giving rise to your claim for relief. Uh, and this is not short. It is not plain. Uh, it is mostly not facts. Uh, and uh, so it is not a serious lawsuit written by serious lawyers for a serious client. This is an unserious lawsuit that is drafted for the purpose of PR, basically laying out, what is it, three claims? One, two, three, three, three claims. Uh, the first, that they intentionally interfered with a contractual relationship. The second, that they disparaged the business of X. Uh, and the third is that they interfered with a prospective economic advantage. I will tell you, that is a tort with which I'm completely unfamiliar. Uh, it probably arises under Texas law, uh, although I don't know how that would be any sort of different from intentional interference with a contractual relationship or disparagement. I don't know how that's differentiated, but, uh, you know, it's when you talk about interference, real, <laughs> not, it, not may, of it is yeah. likely to be a real claim, but yeah. Uh, you know, there are certain best practices for how you write a complaint. Uh, one of my early mentors in the law told me, uh, to read, uh, the old man in the sea by Ernest Hemingway and write like that when you're writing a lawsuit. Hmm. Uh, and it's a great tip, great advice. Uh, this is the exact opposite of that. Uh, no. And uh, the problems that they're going to run into here is when you get to business disparagement, you're going to have a problem with truth because yeah, the yeah. truth is an absolute defense to disparagement. If what you said was true, it's not disparagement. Uh, and they've got the screenshots. And unless somehow these folks can forensically show that these screenshots that were posted by Media Matters online were doctored, uh, and by doctored, I mean more than just... I took a screenshot that shows only a portion of the screen that was on or portion of the screen at the time. Uh, if they show that it was yeah. actually materially altered, maybe. Uh, well, I can do you one better. They contradict themselves because here yeah. I'm looking at uh, uh, paragraph 11 uh, of the complaint. He says, or they say, Media Matters omitted mentioning any of this in a report published on November 16th and displayed instances of Media Matters found uh, on X advertisers paid post features next to next to neo-Nazi and white nationalist content, nor did Media Matters otherwise provide any context regarding the forced, inauthentic nature and extraordinary rarity of these pairings. So, so by saying extraordinary rarity, you're saying, well, it does happen. Yeah, it just yeah. it doesn't happen all that often. And so we're, 
ex Twitter Elon and his lawyers are going to be very quickly introduced to Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 12C, uh, which allows for judgment on the pleadings because you have basically confessed that this thing right. that you said was disparagement actually is true and happened. And yeah. so, but rarely, second rarely. cause of action, business disparagement is probably going to be bopped out on a motion to dismiss for, it might be 12B6, it might be 12C, it probably should be 12C as a matter of legal strategy, but who cares, insider baseball. The interference with a contractual relationship is a little bit quirkier uh, because sometimes the elements of an interference with a contractual relationship has to show, there has to be some element this is not always the case, and I haven't researched to see whether this is the case in Texas, but there has to be some element of wrongdoing uh, where like it, uh, in some instances, intentional interference torts have to involve a crime or other civil wrong in the process, like <laughs> fraud. Uh, and uh, I think you're going to have right. a hard time proving that because oh, what yeah. they did looks an awful lot like journalism. <laughs> Yeah, and then, it can't just be about be through going through your, you're like going about your own business. You have interfered with somebody's contractual obligation. It has to be you did something it, with the intent to interfere. I would imagine, right? Yeah, like you're uh, not just reporting on something. You were intending to interfere with this contractual relationship. So you get into a what is the, what is the actual intent? And this goes into like first first year law school criminal law stuff. Like what is intent? Right. Uh, if the natural and probable consequence of it was going to be that this would that interference would happen, and there's some sort of reason why that is wrongful, uh, then that's fine. But I think they're going to have a problem with the wrongfulness prong. Like, yes, their yeah. intent was to point out this bad thing that was happening, but that's not a wrong thing to do. That's what journalists right. and watchdogs do. They point out the bad things that people are doing to try to get them to stop doing bad things. And the one thing I knew about this complaint was that they, the complaint actually confirms that Media Matters saw what it says it saw because it says that it only this specific pairing only happened to Apparently. one user and that was Media Matters. Oh, so, right. in right. other words, yeah, it happened. Thanks right. for the confirmation of the thing that you are claiming right. was disparagement. And you're saying um, we doctored or whatever, yeah? Or we forced it was in, it was not organic. It was forced. It was not organic. Which like right. you know, what it does doesn't that mean? it doesn't give the context to the rarity. But of course, they don't say. I would love to see. Here, here's the funny thing. This opens it up to discovery of oh, so you know exactly how often it happens. He says yeah. it's Let's they say it's rare, right. so we get <laughs> to find out exactly how often. Right. White nationalist content gets seen next to ads, and it's going to be a lot. <laughs> like, and also, so you are you are in some way tracking or coding white nationalist content. Yeah, you you know what it is. I would You're love choosing to, know, to yeah. permit it to exist. You can wow. identify. In other words, you can identify it, and you've just decided to keep it on your platform. Right, which was always um, the thing with like why Google didn't want to get involved with like filtering search results because the idea is like once you sort of open the door that it's possible. All things yeah. are available to to you. <laughs> Everybody can come after you in terms of like, well, why was this person able to Google for how to make a, a, a thermite bomb or whatever, right? What, why can't you filter that or whatever, right? Showing it's possible to to track this or to curtail this opens yeah. up the door for all kinds of wonderful stuff. And of course, it's not like, I don't think it's believable at all, the numbers they're talking about. Um, like, I don't think they can actually identify fringe content is the way to describe described it i think i don't think they can identify it um but i would love to see the discovery for that i would love to see you know yeah uh, sure. i don't think they're going to want to give that to media matters 
No. One of the other interesting things about this too is that they accuse uh, Media Matters of manipulating the algorithm so that uh, presumably they were more likely to get this sort of uh, Nazi content delivered to them. Uh, and there, it's interesting to me that X is pretending that Media Matters is the only person for whom that has occurred. Uh, I'm I'm confident in saying that there are plenty of people who use Twitter. And they carefully curate their algorithm to give them the nastiest, vilest stuff because that's what they're into. They're called uh, Nazis, yeah. And they're yeah. on there. We, and you can find them. They're right next to the Comcast ads. Training an algorithm to suit your needs is the one of the <laughs> new skills of the new age. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the Learning idea then how even to, how to push it where you give it make it give you content that you want. Right. And the idea then that that has not occurred to anyone who is not intentionally yeah. attempting to see Nazi content is also uh, like another thing of, well, rights. But the guardrails on this are so it, like precise. It's certain that only if you really want to see it, will you see it. Uh, I, okay. Yeah, I don't think it's going to reach Discovery, but I hope it does. I hope uh, it does. If this reaches Discovery, this is going to be one of the most cataclysmic uh, electro electronic, uh, records discovery cases ever, like the sheer volume of content that is on Twitter, that there's, that's going to be ingested into whatever, uh, whatever relativity is that one of the ESI tools, uh, the sheer amount of material that is going to be ingested into, uh, these discovery tools is going to be unbelievable. I well, we'll wait. have things to talk about. Yeah, for between OpenAI and Twitter, each like racing each other to 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 bash their heads against the rocks. Uh, we'll have stuff to talk well, about for the for shows to come. Litigation moves slowly. OpenAI moves quickly and breaks things, <laughs> right. including but itself. But those things are itself. So yeah. they're on uh, heads. We'll see. Open. AI, I think the OpenAI question is going to be relatively resolved within the next month. By the time um, we talk next, I would expect there's there's major. Yeah, you know, movement and and you basically know the direction it's yeah. heading. Satya, I think you're both right. Satya Nadell is not going to have a very peaceful Thanksgiving, I don't think. No, probably not. Probably not. Okay, you guys want to move on to recommendations, and uh, we'll we'll conclude this and let everybody go to bed. Mm -hmm. I can give my yeah. recommendation very quickly. It's simple. I don't think I've ever recommended a book before, but I want to seem like the kind of person who reads books. And I think Jake or one of you recommended a book a couple of, a couple of uh, weeks ago, a couple of episodes ago, and I want that kind of aura of like an intelligent <laughs> person. Um, it's called I think it was a like 10 episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, time doesn't have any meaning for me anymore. Um, it's called A Mystery of Mysteries. It's about the death and life of Edgar Allan Poe, and it's by hmm. Mark Dawidziak. And I didn't know anything about Edgar Allan Poe prior to this. It's a very good book. He's a super interesting character. And I, I made to understand there's something on Netflix that is like a compo like a compendium yeah. of a bunch of his stories. Yeah, and stuff. Fall so of the House of Usher is, it's not really his stories. It's like oh. plays on his stories. Like oh, it's okay. not like the fall of the house of Usher is a book that he wrote. Uh, right. And, but this is like, has basically no relationship to it, gotcha. to okay. it other than the most broadest strokes. Okay. So, uh, but uh, it also has other, other stories in there anyway. Oh, cool. Well, interesting book, uh, just basically about his life and a little bit about his death. That's my recommendation. What you got? Yeah. 
Uh, uh, my recommendation, I'm going to jump in in front of Jake. Yeah, fine. Uh, my recommendation, before we get to the video games, I'm going to do another book. Uh, is <laughs> oh my God. Uh, another book. Uh, this one is by Esau Macaulay, who is an Anglican priest and a uh, a professor at Wheaton College, which is like the Harvard of Christian colleges. Uh, but he wrote a book called How Far to the Promised Land. The subtitle is One Black Family's Story of Hope and Survival in the American South. Uh, really interesting. It's it's written in the style of a memoir. It probably is a memoir of a man who's not that much older than I am, but has experienced uh, a, a vastly different and uh, interesting and compelling life so far. Uh, strong recommend. Uh, Esau Macaulay, in addition to just being a, a well-written book, uh, it is a story of tragedy and hope, and I have really enjoyed it. Good book. Strong recommend. So even when I recommend a book, you, you, you one-up you me on the intellectual. steal the thunder. Yeah. It's with not a much a, better book. It is not to be clear, highly, it is not highly intellectual. It is very accessible. <laughs> it is something that is uh, easy reading uh, in the sense of it is not dense. Uh, it is not easy reading emotionally all the time, but it's good. And sorry, I'm a jerk. No, it's all right. I think you probably had book. that chambered and you were waiting and you would have bust that out whenever I had a book as my recommendation, but I'm fine with it. I want to really quickly say before uh, Jake potentially recommends uh, Alan Wake 2 again, I've been playing it. I'm <laughs> um, only a couple hours in. Excellent game. Very good recommendation. I echo uh, your recommendation. Go that, on. Thank sorry. you. Uh, so you're okay. I'm glad you're liking it. It's yes, so strange. Anyway. I'm not going to recommend Alan Wake 2 again. I'm not going to recommend a video game. I'm taking a much needed break from the insane year that it was. I'm going to talk about uh, Marvel uh, because Loki season two ended. uh, And also I saw the Marvels and uh, Loki season two ended really cool. It was really good. Um, And it's like a reminder that they make good stuff sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, what did you say, Jason? I said, was it though? Was it really it good? Was. It ending, was. The ending? I thought the ending was very beautiful. I didn't like the first three episodes of the season. Three or four mm. episodes of the season. I was like, this is too much. What's going on? It needed like an episode or two of like calming down. Because they were just like constantly running. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. Um, I really like the end of the season. That season two. And then the Marvels. I'm giving you a hard time. Marvels, uh, undeserved all of the hate that it's getting and like the, you know, the bombing. It's bombing at the box office, no doubt. But like, I almost left Thor Love and Thunder in the middle. I hated it so much. Um, The Marvels, I had a good time. Like, I actually liked. Like, I'm not mad that I spent money to see that in a theater. It had two of the best sequences of any Marvel movie. Uh, like two really imaginative, cool sequences. One of which I was just laughing out loud for like five minutes straight. Um, so like it's not bad. You can wait for Disney Plus because every part, every like the parts of that movie that give it like that make it a movie are not very good. <laughs> like the actual plot, no, no, it's not very good. But it's uh, it's a good time. Um, so I'm. I'm not optimistic at all <laughs> that Marvel is going to get good again. Uh, but I am optimistic that it will get good sometime in like years down the line, maybe because they can still make good stuff on occasion. 
Um, I, an interesting cultural experience I'm getting to have with all of this, and I feel I feel bad that I think both of you guys are not having is as someone who hasn't seen a Marvel movie in like 20 years. Hmm. I'm certain that this movie has come out about 13 times and you've both <laughs> talked about a movie called the Marvels every other week you've talked about and on well, Slack, you've talked about it. It seems like <laughs> I, it is so, I cannot explain how confusing it is to attempt to follow along with what's going on with any of the comic book movies over the, like there was Iron Man. And then I think they came out with Iron Man too. I didn't see uh-huh. that. I lost the plot there. And I've just been proceeding through life ever since and listening to all these things and the names you say and the stuff you throw around and you could all be screwing with me and I'd never know. Well, it's great, though. I really enjoy it. I'm not not joking. The Marvel name specifically is you got Captain Marvel and then the 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 Marvel's the sequel to Captain Marvel. And then in between was the TV series Ms. Marvel. Uh, Uh, So it's it's not the most. (laughs) And then, of course, it shares its name with the series. So with, this, right, with the whole uh, with the whole thing itself, right? The, whole the company so that is the the publisher. It definitely house, right? doesn't help. Yeah, but you've seen you've seen Iron Man, the original Iron Man. Yeah. Okay. So the first one. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, that's a good one. That's that's, that's one of the one. best. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, I, at least I went out on a high note, which we could do yeah. too. <laughs> no, I know. Good Sorry. timing. Good timing. Good Thank delivery. Yeah. Proud of you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I hope you, we you both have a, a great song. Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, we do. Definitely. That's, that's all what I want I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do over Thanksgiving. <laughs>